0: trending news right
1: now our social commentator joins us now discussing social media trends in the last 24 hours how are you Atli?
0: i'm well thanks and how are you Asanda? i'm
1: good thanks we missed you for the past two days
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. it's been a lot i wasn't feeling well for the longest time but oh, no
1: what's wrong are you okay
0: no i'm fine now i had flu um last week so i didn't really have a voice i couldn't speak at all
1: oh, so no. my
0: life was on hold for like a week
1: Oh, but you know, sometimes you just need to take that break and recuperate. Yeah, that's true. And come yeah. back strong. That's, yeah. uh, we're glad that you are okay. Yeah. So maybe actually, let me ask you the poll question. What do you think about Dudu Zuma running for president in South Africa?
0: Honestly, I don't um, support that uh, decision. Um, I think firstly, even though he's a young person and we do need to have young people's voices and having young people's voices mean that they can also occupy positions of power. But I think that he's not capable. Um, Also, I feel like he hasn't built that much credibility for himself to even think about running for that particular position. Um, And also, I think my biggest concern with him running for that position is that there's a very, I think, political agenda behind it. I think that it's not done out of good intentions. It's very malicious and it's very questionable in that regard. Um, because your father was a president and now you're also running for a similar position. To me, it really does sound and seem like there's a polit- political agenda behind it. So I totally don't support it. And I don't take it very seriously, to be yeah. honest with you, Sandra. yeah
1: Okay. All right. Uh, the first tro- topic for today then is hashtag Makate. Uh, so we know that there's the please call me uh, guy who's demanding to get paid by Vodacom. But the first thing is that uh, Vodacom has announced that they have had exceptional performance over the last year. They've got revenue increase by 8.3% and uh, they've seen growth of 5.8% in terms of service revenue. So I guess that would also link to why people are saying the Please Call Me guy needs to get what he, he wants.
0: I did see that conversations that a lot of chiefs and everyone else is saying that because the business has done so well and had it it has improved and they have um, you know that revenue, then it means that they can afford. To pay him for um, his worth, because even when he went to court and we had this conversation the last time, he wasn 't okay with just getting a, a, a million he wanted a, a billion or something. Um, I think that it 's very important to note that in that situation and we 've said it before that um, corporates like Bodacom they will always generate more than enough and they will always generate revenue um, and make as much profit. But when it comes to being able to uh, pay their debt or being able to then pay him back, it's something that they wouldn't really do. They would rather put that money towards fighting for it in the court of law as opposed to just paying him off what he deserves. And I also am with the with the people as well in saying that he deserves to be paid that much for his um for his idea um, and also just because even though he wasn't able to patent that particular idea at that time because he probably didn't have that much amount of money, but he still deserves to get the he still deserves to get um, the money that he wants. But I also do understand that when you sign a contract, you also sign off your intellectual property to the company. You simply say that it 's okay. Um, you have helped me to think about this idea in a way, and therefore it 's fine i 'm um, working for the company, so i 'm signing off my intellectual property unfortunately, so Vodacom still has a standing in that regard
1: well, he wants ten billion, and Vodacom has announced that they 've had twenty seven point six billion in profit in in the past year, uh, and this is i mean something that he mentioned was that because of covid everybody was online so service revenue would grow and here's vodacom also just basically agreeing to that to that point because they've said that there's the disruption in commercial activities is as a result or one of the contributing factors to this performance and this profit so he 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 was right then can we say that he was right and vodacom is kind of agreeing with him are they shooting themselves on the foot as well vodacom not even it's actually like a very smart
0: move to concede to something and say, you know what, that's true, Um, because everything was online, we were able to generate more than we have before, or like um, we were able to generate much even though there was COVID. However, we can concede to it, but also um, and say that um, even you as a person wanting that amount of money, it's a legitimate concern, it's fine, but you also need to understand that um, it's something that he's... I don't think he's going to get that money. Um, And because also even with running the fact that even though they've made that revenue, we know how corporates function. It's always is just about generating as much profit as possible and not wanting to equally share that amount of money. Or giving him 10 billion to them seems like a lot of money, even though they've made twice and even more than what he's asking for. But it's also just a thing of saying that if it wasn't for us, if you didn't work at Vodacom, then you wouldn't have been able to think about that idea. That's the... Uh, unfortunate part about corporate South Africa that every time when you have any particular idea but the idea was it started or generated when you were still working for that company you've signed off that intellectual property so I don't think that there's any space or room for Vodacom to even say that okay we're willing to give you that money they can concede to everything else that he's saying and say that it's a legitimate concern but when it comes to the money part then that's a different conversation
1: and i mean they did go on to say that they've invested 13.3 billion in network infrastructure during the year that's uh, and 10.1 billion of that being in south africa could that be a mitigating uh, you know statement against that claim that he wants uh, umakate of 10 billion to if they say well we've invested this money uh, and we've you know injected it in, into the better functioning of society so we don't have it
0: that's the thing. They will also just hide behind you know, corporate social responsibility, which is something that they had to do anyway. Um, so it's really unfair um, and that they're doing that because if then they're saying that they're investing and injecting money to um, the greater benefit of society, then it's also them simply trying to highlight the fact that, well, you want that $10 billion, but we have already utilized that money for something else and therefore we don't have it for you.
1: And then, of True. course, launching. Yep. Uh, and then there's this, an app also that they launched, Voter Pay. Uh, so quite a lot. Uh, it's quite a layered story that one. But let's move on because we're going to run out of time uh, yeah. before we talk about the rest of our topics. #hashtag martini Martinise. Uh, This Fees Must Fall activist who was sentenced or who's been sentenced now to five years imprisonment. This was a back and forth going on for three years story. So Monwabi Silukanyo was arrested following the torching of the historic St. Mark's Anglican Church on the District 6 campus of Cape Peninsula University of Technology. What does this speak to those who are student activists who stand for Fees Must Fall in terms of the message this sends to them?
0: Um, I think the fees must fall uh, for uh, being arrested has been quite like something that's really sad because it actually does question a lot about the South African government and the policing system and how we're able to function as a society. Because one, it simply um, alerts to the fact that when it comes to students fighting for fees, it's very quick and easier response from the government or the policing system to arrest them for arson or to arrest them for uh, maybe demolishing um, the institute, uh, the in- different institutions or um, or like maybe uh, and, 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 and also demolishing that institution then does constitute as a violent behavior and therefore they say that you need to be arrested but the third part about it is that all of the things that needs to be given attention to and all of those criminals that needs to be um arrested that isn't something that's being done because for fees must fall for this is someone who's fighting for a good cause for the betterment of society because eventually we were able to um get that sort of recourse that they were fighting for so i think that the fact that he's arrested and is now being sentenced to prison to me it's really painful and i've been saying it for the longest time that Fees must fall for are not really dangerous uh, members of society, but it's just that they were fighting for a good cause at that time. And you being caught out of the 10,000 people that were fighting for fees to fall, it's an unfortunate circumstance. And therefore, it doesn't necessarily warrant you to be taken to prison and for them to say that you are a threat to society. Because you're simply fighting for a good cause and you're fighting students to be able to be given access to education because to begin with if those students were given access to education and they were allowed to go to school without the increment of fees then all of this wouldn't have happened we wouldn't have had students fighting and also just demolishing buildings and it's not to say that I'm justifying violence but to simply say that it's important to understand the course and the fact that they were fighting for good quality education but not and also not the increment of fees just to allow for access to education
1: and it is that thing of being stuck between a, a rock and a hard place because he was fighting for his future and his future is in turn now been you know further taken away from him he was expelled from school so he hasn't finished his studies he his mother was even alluding to the fact that he couldn't get a job then in the meantime while well, this case was going on for those 3 years because he kept on having to make court appearances so that was seen as him being unreliable in the employer side of things now he's going to serve 5 years in jail he's going to have a criminal record not taking away from the fact that the criminal side of things should be it should be you know make made sure that it's it's also uh, a and punished but what is the balance how how do we strike a balance between making sure that criminality is definitely condemned and dealt with but also that a young person 24 year olds future is not destroyed when he's standing for something that is a cause as you say for so many black South Africans
0: Um, It's twofold. I think when I was thinking about it, I just think that we need to um, reform the policing system in South Africa to say that even when students are fighting or students are protesting, it doesn't necessarily warrant that they should be taken to prison and sentenced to prison for that thing. Because we do know that even though they allowed the freedom to express themselves, but in many instances or not, the only time that they are heard is when they do something that's very extreme. But the unfortunate part about it is that even if you do it as a collective, if they find you, just one person, then it's over for you, um, and even though you're fighting for a good cause. So reforming the policing system in South Africa looks like things like trying to educate those people and more than educating them, but also stopping them from acting in a very violent way towards the students who are protesting, but also even um, if, uh, reforming them in such an extent that they're not as harsh Towards students and and because what they do is that if someone is they don't kill and it, it, it's that they shoot people and that students die or if they don't die then it's police and it's it's them sentencing them to a longer period of time in prisons and then at the end of the day then you're denying them access to education or access to like a good future, like a decent future. So I think that we definitely do need to reform the system, that even though it's important to still condemn um, violent behaviors, but at the same time, it's not to say that now you are trying to end someone's life or you're trying to deny them the opportunity to an education or you're trying to deny them like an opportunity to a good or prosperous future. So that's what it looks like. The second part about it is Mm -hmm. also just to um, try and imagine um, what a government is supposed to do, ought to do, especially when it comes to providing education to those students. So if, for example, you're not increasing fees every single year by 8%, then it means that you're allowing a collective of people to be able to access that particular education. And instances where you're you're increasing fees, you're taking that away from them. It's also very important for government to also take a step back and look at what they ought to do and just their capacity as a government and understanding that providing access to education also comes at a cost of the fact that if they do increase fees, then you are denying those students um the opportunity to get an education.
1: Mm. Okay, let's talk now. Hashtag state capture. It continues and this time travel agent Samira Suleiman telling the commission that uh, Salim Essa instructed her to arrange flights for former ESCOM CEO Machela Coco and his family to travel from Indonesia to Dubai and that also he paid a hundred thousand to settle the bill. Uh he Koko had said that he had paid for the flights himself and the visas for his family and claimed that he only asked former Eskom's uh, company secretary to make uh, changes to it. But now we're hearing Samira Suleiman saying that, uh, no, it was uh, financed by Salim Esa. Um That's
0: what we hear, but also Salim Essa is also complaining that... Um, we the inquiry defaming his character and is fighting it and saying that he doesn't want to be attached to that um, um, offence because it's actually not true, it's not legitimate that he has done it. Um, which is a recurring theme in the inquiry, that every time when... Um, Files are released every time when you hear about a story. It's someone trying to remove themselves from that situation, and someone crying that we're defaming their character and that they are not necessarily in that um, situation. So I think that for as long as it's just conversations or it's just files without necessarily justifying them or without maybe uh, maybe photos or without any sort of justification, then it's really hard to. Point and say that the person has indeed done that offense because now he's saying that um, the inquiry is defending his character. So, how do you then justify that indeed those things did allegations did happen without any form of justification whatsoever?
1: There's receipts in the form of an email, and Koko uh, is saying that he thought this email belonged to Daniels uh, and not to, to Salim Essa. What are the chances of him proving that that would be true? Okay.
0: So with proving like paper trails like emails, you can simply say that, okay, you can justify and say there's a paper trail, there's an email. But when someone is saying that you are now defaming my character, then it means that they want you to go above and beyond, even though the person has done it, which I think it is true because, um, it, I honestly think that it is true. It's just that it's hard to now, um, find the concrete evidence to try and justify it because the paper trail of an email, um, a person can easily twist it or a person can easily try to maybe duck the bullet and say that it's not really true. So I think that they need to do more in terms of investigation before you go into an inquiry. So it's like before I even try and speak about someone and say that this is what they've done, one, two, three, I do think that they still need to do like an, um, a background check and investigate and have concrete evidence to actually justify the fact that it has happened and that you are the person that has done it. So I think they need to be very strategic about it as well. Instead of just releasing files like maybe an email or conversation or phone call, I do think that they need to do more um, in terms of that.
1: Okay, uh, let's talk now, hashtag Naomi Campbell, the supermodel, uh, international star as well. She's revealed that she's a mom for the first time at the age of 50. Now, Instagram followers on Tuesday were shocked at this. Uh, First of all, I guess, well, I want to know what you think about it. But I guess the shock is because as women, we are supposed to, in inverted commas, have children at a younger age. And it's kind of frowned upon when you have kids after 40 but what are your thoughts first of all on on Naomi having a baby? A baby girl it is. <laughs> uh
0: I mean I I do celebrate that and I think that um for for me it's always very important to like fight those um uh connotations or conceptions of society of when a woman is ought to have a child, because that's often attached to a lot of uh, misogyny and it's very problematic. But I definitely do think that at any time, any point when a person is comfortable and ready to have a child, then that's okay. As long as she didn't have any complications and she gave back at best to a healthy baby, then I think that's fine. Um, because um, the connotations, which at at most they are true, is that if you do have a child maybe above the age of 40 or when you're 40, then you're largely going to have complications, and that's also going to affect your baby. But I think that if she waited that long and she gave birth to a healthy baby, then we have nothing to say about it but just to celebrate um, the fact that now she's a mother and she's happy about it.
1: And I mean, uh, these days, and and we can't obviously ignore the biology of it, and we're not going to talk from it uh, from a medical point of view because we don't have that expertise, but Mm -hmm. we've seen different options. I mean, there's surrogacy, there's adoption, there's uh, in vitro, and all these other different treatments. And we've seen a lot of celebrity women who are older, uh, you know, going for it. Of course, they've got the funding for it. But what do you think it will take and maybe how long will it take for us to shift our mindsets to realizing that even if biologically it's been proven uh, that after 40 there could be complications, but we we seeing examples where there aren't compli- complications and uh, these moms are perfectly happy to have kids after the age of 40. How long do you think it will take for us to change our minds and the stigma? Uh, uh,
0: okay, I think um, I'm changing uh, people's conceptions, uh, people say that it happens over time because... Organically, as things happen, people also change um, things, um, especially people's conceptions. So I think that even though it's going to take a long time for that to happen, but also even it would also take us as women being comfortable and also knowing that we cannot always attach our our worth to the conceptions of society. And it would also take us being able to make those decisions for ourselves instead of being forced to have four kids by the age of 30 or by the age of 40, because now you're trying to run away from complications, even though you know that it's not as possible for you to have those many kids at that time. Um, so I think it would really just take us being comfortable in our own scheme and being comfortable with the decisions that we make for ourselves and with our partners. And um, I think it would take just us being comfortable, because also we need to understand that if we are touched to society it will never change it will always be a thing where in every marriage in every relationship you're always going to be expected to have kids by the age of 30 so it's just about us being able to stand up for ourselves and being able to make those decisions for ourselves
1: and I mean the uh, supermodel it did express that she's always wanted children so congratulations to her thanks so much Khan, for joining us uh, we appreciate you happy Wednesday
0: Thank you so much, Osanda, and I hope you do enjoy the rest of your day.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. Atalikang Mulefe, our social commentator, discussing social media in the last 24 hours in terms of what's been trending.